we have to push ourselves because no one else is going to do it for you. If you can trim it, you can do it. Ellie Enoch has represented Vanuatu as a shot put and javelin para athlete since 2016. She won a silver medal at the 2019 Pacific Games. And her big dream is the Paralympics. Ellie lost her leg in a car accident nine years ago. Before that happened, she didn't know much about what it's like to live with a disability. To be honest, I'm one of the person who always looked down at people with disability when I didn't have my accident. Like, uh, I just ignored them and I didn't talk to them much. But then, like, after I caught accident, then when I went and joined them and I realized that I've told them that I'm so sorry, I realized that when we ignore or neglect those people, like people living with disability, it really looks bad and I've learned a lot of lessons. Stigma and access are two of the biggest challenges for people living with disability in the Pacific. Almost 2 million people in countries across the Pacific have disabilities. That is 15% of the population. And they are among the poorest and most marginalized members of their communities. So what is it like for women with disability? And what difference can it make for your community and country to work towards inclusion? I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about disability in the Pacific. Anyone can become disabled. It can happen to anyone at any time. I got accident that was on my birthday because we had some alcohol and that's where I got my disability. With my impairments, I'm only able to walk short distance. I'm not able to walk a long, long distance as it's uh, really um, give me a hard time. I was a little girl. My mom told me I was barely one year old. I was already walking and I had uh, folio when I was, it was in the you know, early 60s. As a society, shouldn't one of our top priorities be supporting people with disabilities through good access and inclusion? Unfortunately, that's not the case. People with disabilities in the Pacific have limited access to education and employment and other basic social services. They also face discrimination and segregation, as well as social and physical barriers. And if you're a woman living with disability, the barriers increase. We are still being faced with the issues, you know, gender-based violence is still rife in the country. Uh, And so when I look at that and I think about women with disabilities, it makes me to continue to lament with these women. If mainstream women are still finding their space, you know, where are we? taken on this uh, fight and I want to fight till you know the government of PNG recognizes that we are women as well and we can contribute to our, to our families and to our communities despite our in the physical disabilities. Since the early 2000s, Ipulpoaseu has led Papua New Guinea's disability movement. She is a highly respected agricultural scientist and the inaugural president of the PNG Assembly of Disabled Persons. 
After contracting polio as an infant, Ipul faced a lot of stigma. I had not wanted to have anything to, you know, to do with disabilities. When I'm sitting down in classroom and, you know, another person with disability walks past, I just don't want to be, you know, identified to be sitting with them. You know, they would look at us and say, look at them, you know, they have bad legs. And, you know, if I did something good, people would look at me and said, oh, look at that. They're worried. They're one-siding with her because she's, you know, she has got a bad leg and they're feeling sorry for her. And, you know, it's, uh, it affected me when I was a little girl growing up. So never did I wanted to be part of the disability movement. People wanted to have the same opportunities to succeed as everyone else and refused to let her disability define her. But when she was invited by a friend in 2006 to join the disability movement, she started to meet other people with disabilities and see the limitations they were facing. And that was the moment that changed my direction, looking at myself as a person with disabilities and recognizing that I was lucky because I was, you know, I went to the university, I was working in Agricultural Research Institute, I was in the mainstream. But their cries, you know, there were three women and these are the, they all were sitting in a wheelchair, using wheelchairs. And they were, you know, lamenting the basic services that they were not accessing. One, you know, was walking with the children along the main road, the Highlands Highway of Papua New Guinea, uh, wanting to come to Ley, one of a, you know, city in, in PNG. And uh, she was in a wheelchair. So, you know, you, you cannot get into the diner trucks that is used as PMVs or even the buses, there's no space. And they had to just push her along till, you know, a low, utility car came and they were able to take it in. So that affected me, you know, that the services that we have, and particularly for women. And he or she is trying to contribute to a family. Now, the other one was, or she uses a wheelchair, and she said, uh, when I go to the clinic to access, you know, basic health services, they always tell us, can you go and sit down first? We'll, we'll attend to the good people. And, you know, that caught me. You know, who is good and who is bad? We are all people. And the other one was uh, a mother who lives, you know, on the coast, the northern coastline, but she travels in by uh, boat. And every time she comes to the, you know, the city market, the main markets, usually there's a bench and you sit on the side and you would put your, you know, produce on the bench. But every time she comes, she, she comes late, so there's no space. And they ask her to put a fresh produce on the ground. So those were the three things that, you know, impacted me. And I said, you know, it kind of ignited something within me. Since then, Ipulis championed women with disabilities and advocated for services and assistance to improve people's lives. Her work as an agricultural scientist also helped open her eyes to the unique challenges for rural women and girls, especially in education. You know, my job requires that I go out into the rural areas you know, talking to farmers, and I go into the communities and I don't see people with disabilities coming out, particularly women with disabilities, because of the barriers they face, both stigmatized and environment, I mean, social and environmental barriers. The challenges are mostly to do with lack of resources, you know, for children with disabilities going into schools. We have uh, the Special Education Resource Center in many, you know, in the 21 provinces of Papua New Guinea, but that's only within the, the urban areas. It's not going down to the rural areas. 
And so a lot of our children with disabilities are still lacking, and particularly children who are vision impaired and hearing impaired, because you need resource support. And then you have, you know, people with communication difficulties, you know, those with cerebral palsy. So whilst the government had ratified the conventions, it's more about uh, operationalizing it. How do we get children with disabilities to schools? And the issue is really lack of resource support in the country. Ipul hopes by starting conversations, real change will happen on the ground in schools and communities across PNG. We've already made uh, sign languages the fourth language in the country, but we don't have many sign interpreters in the country. And the, the interpreters that we have are people that have taught themselves. And when you are talking, you know, in big conferences, you really need to know how to interpret. For the you know, people with vision impairment, Braille is what they usually use, but it's only in where children may have access to, you know, Mount Zion Center for the Blind, or, but it's not across the country. So pockets of support, you know, was there by, you know, good intended organizations like St. John for the Blind and, mm. and, you know, these organizations, but the government has not really taken on board this services that is it's a must for persons with disability that they really need to participate meaningfully. Ipul says change won't happen until community attitudes about disability change. The perceptions of disability still ingrained within this medical model. We have not really focused on how can we make that person be included you know, in mainstream activities. And I go back to these three women that, you know, they want to be part of, you know, the mainstream. But the issues is the barriers. You know, they, they, they're not staying in their homes and just sitting down and expecting somebody to come and help them. No, they want to go out. People with disabilities now are talking about their rights, but realizing that rights is a, it's a real issue in my country, in Papua New Guinea, and it's in the region as well. When people say oh, people with special needs, people with disabilities don't have special needs. We have specific, you know, varying needs, but we, are, you know, everyone wants to get married, we want to have a house, we want to go to school, you know, everything that a person, a human wants, we also aspire to have that. But we cannot have it when the resources are not available for us. Ipul has found support in women from outside of the disability sector. That, she says, is important to getting everyone to consider disability issues. You know, we'll have to look at strategies as to how can we be able to, you know, get disability on the board, on the discussion board, you know, become a, you know, a, a day-to-day discussions that people talk about. So one of the strategies I did was to look at champions within the mainstream. And our first patron or matron was the wife of the then Prime Minister, Linda O'Neill. That strategy was I wanted someone so close to the prime minister to start discussing about disability. And she did a good job. You know, she started to talk to the husband and, you know, she goes out and talks about children with disabilities, you know, in the work, women with disabilities. And we started to talk about disability. It came to the fore. Wow. Ipopoaseo is a beacon of hope for the thousands who live with disability in Papua New Guinea. Ipul was the inaugural president of the PNG Assembly of Disabled Persons. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia.
Social and physical barriers exist for all people with disabilities. But how does disability discrimination impact specifically women and girls in the Pacific? Mata'afa Faatino is the general manager of Nuanua or Le Alofa, Samoa's national advocacy organization for persons with disabilities. As a woman who is blind and as a person, this applies also to all women with disabilities. We face multiple layers of discrimination. That is because of our status as women and also the disabilities we have, let alone the the resources that are available where we live. Mata'afa's advocacy work has made a real difference in how Samoa's national census collects information about kids and adults with disabilities. The organization I work with is the only organization that is led and governed by persons with disabilities. That is why we are really unique in Samoa. We lead advocacy projects which aim at ensuring that persons with disabilities are able to access all opportunities to contribute equally to society on an equal basis with others. Samoa ratified the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities in 2016. But one of the biggest tasks for disability advocates like Mata'afa is changing people's attitudes about disability in Samoa. It was believed that any person with a disability was born to stay home and, you know, and serve the family. And there was also some beliefs that persons with disabilities were a result of curse to the families. You know, in the Old Testament, there were also some beliefs that any person who was born with a disability, the family is responsible to care for them because they can't make decisions for themselves and they can't respond to issues impacting their lives and also they can't communicate with society because you know they have special needs and therefore they need to be segregated with other colleagues of the same disabilities. But Mata'afa is hopeful that attitudes will change and access and inclusion for people living with disabilities in Samoa will improve. We hope for the world that is inclusive and barrier-free for not just women with disabilities, but for all persons with disabilities. You know, we, we hope for a world that is recognizable of the diverse needs of persons with disabilities. And for instance, for Samoa, we'd like to see persons with disabilities taking up leadership positions. And I believe the biggest um, need is the provision of assistive devices, because yes, we, we appreciate the support, but there is no um, use having the funds available, but the person who needs the fund can't use it because the environment, for, in, for instance, is not accessible for them. Mata'afa says the education sector in Samoa does recognize the role of disability advocacy, but she wants to see more inclusive education policies. We want to see that to the next level, maybe 
in recognizing um, inclusive education as one of the core components of the education curriculum um, throughout the sector and recognition of the of the professional um, trainings to be done for those who are working to promote inclusive education and the recognition also of the relevant resources that are needed to ensure that inclusive education reach those who are in need. Thank you, Mata'afa Fatino from Nuanua Ole Alofa, Samoa's National Advocacy Organization for Persons with Disabilities. Let's hope the managers hear this and give staff with disabilities the opportunity to lead. In Fiji, Jay Nasilasila works hard advocating for rights of gender-diverse Fijians with disabilities. Jay is the Disaster Risk Reduction Officer at the Fiji Disabled People's Federation. As a trans woman who relies on crutches for mobility, she says people like her face multiple layers of discrimination while out in the community, despite Fiji's constitutional protection for LGBTQI plus people. It's a good thing that it's reflected in the constitution, but then the importance of having it, you know, in practice, or like I said, more practical, eh? um, making it look beautiful on papers would be something that other country may um, admire, but then uh, the implementation of that is a bit lacking, mm. I would say. And and as a person with disabilities and and then you are uh, of diverse suggests as well, you can imagine those uh, level of uh, discriminations and abuse and mm. and bullies eh, that may happen and that um, may happens to to everyone. Just looking across, uh, noting you know the hate speech. Sometimes hate speech too comes out from social media. Uh, just reading through, you able to gauge the different types of comments that are being pushed to the people of diverse subjects so and, you know, uh, being made fun of it. And, and here, yeah, if a person with a disability is that of diverse subjects, it's more like a combination of all, eh? uh, the different level of, of uh, discrimination, yes. Jay, in your various roles, how are you advocating for change in this space? Yes, uh, it's, it's something I personally feel deep inside my heart. I believe, you know, when you have the lived experience, you can deny the fact that you are, you are living the experience and you know the reality on the ground. That's why for me, uh, I strongly advocate for um, recognizing intersectionality of everyone uh, considering that we are not all the same and whatever support that needs to be provided need to you know to be designed in such a way that uh, one size fits all does not work as I always mentioned the island where I'm from uh, in the northern part of Fiji northern island of Fiji the level of uh, stigma and discrimination is totally different because it's mostly rural communities eh? Um, so I felt that it is always important whenever at times that I had opportunity to attend meetings, uh, I have opportunity to make an intervention in a dialogue 
I'll make sure that I'm able to draw that intersectionality approach. Mm, you do a lot of amazing work. And uh, as a country, uh, how inclusive is Fiji when it comes to needs of women with disabilities? Fiji has ratified uh, the United Nations Convention on Rights of Persons with Disability and, Act, and uh, we also have a Disability Act that mandates the recognition, realizations and respect of rights of persons with disabilities. As the stages of women with disabilities, uh, yes, uh, women with disability are also always been considered as the most vulnerable, uh, knowing that the fact that uh, the challenges that they go through in their daily lives, eh? considering the different context or places that they may be in. So for those women with disability who live in the in the urban areas, may experience uh, some sort of uh, challenges, but and then compared to those who are staying in the rural and maritime areas, you know, the different level of challenges that they also face. Eh? Uh, but that also comes back to the importance of the work of organization of persons with disabilities, keep on, um, you know, upholding and holding uh, the convention and in, in reminding the, the states that, you know, in terms of obligation to the rights of persons with disabilities, that we are all treated equally with dignity and, uh, and rights. Eh? Uh, but mostly one of the, the major challenge that we continue to face now is um, is the in infrastructures, um, inaccessible infrastructures, noting that uh, um, ratification to the convention, but then, you know, the, the obligation and the commitment, it's really important for the states to also recognize such things as infrastructures you know, are being um, redesigned or just adjustments, they eh, are retrofitted in, in, a, in a way that, you know, to accommodate the basic uh, needs of, of persons with disability, of women with disability. When I say infrastructure, I'm talking about the, the health facilities, the public facilities where we often come in day in and day out. They are mostly used by, by everyone. And uh, lately, I believe uh, right now, the cost of living, um, just visiting few communities around um, the country, the issues that has been continuously raised is the increase in, in price, food prices and just the cost of living is really high. And considering the fact that social protection allowance scheme for, for persons with disability are, are not able to accommodate uh, the cost eh, that's been uh, provided by the state, set more by the government. It is such important work Jane Nasilasila is doing in Fiji. She is the Disaster Risk Reduction Officer at Fiji Disabled People's Federation and is a vocal advocate for trans women with disabilities. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Let's hear from para-athlete Ellie Enoch again. As well as her sport... Ellie's family and advocacy work drives her to improve life for fellow Vanuatuans living with disabilities. I'm so proud to have a son. Like after being a, a woman with disability and I just have a baby. I'm so happy to have him and uh, I'm so proud that seeing growing up 
I'm sure your little boy is proud of you as well. Yeah, he's really supportive and he's a big fan. He's always <laughs> proud when... <laughs> That is so cute. Apart from a family, what about the wider community? Is is there sort of a same support? Like working with the Rainbow Disability Theatre Group down at one small back when we went like we went around the islands here in Vanuatu. We are advocating for the rights of people with disability here. And when we go around the islands we find out that many People living with disabilities, their family always hide themselves in their dark corners. And when we went out there and we advocate and talking about the rights, and even many people, they come to realize that, yeah, a person or a woman and girls with disability, they also have the rights to enjoy their uh, living. Eh? Hmm. Ellie knows her understanding of disability changed after her accident. But she has a powerful message for people who continue to ignore or stigmatize people with disabilities, even if they don't realize they do it. We mustn't look down to people with disabilities because we might never know accidents or anything can take place. Because now, like diabetes, people having diabetes, like sickness, different kinds of sickness, and you can become one of the disabilities. So make sure to be kind and uh, respect people living with disabilities. Include them in whatever programs or church. We have to invite people living with disabilities. We have to... uh, Invite them and uh, make them feel feel at home. And her message for people living with disabilities in Vanuatu and across the Pacific. Even though we all like we all went through different types of challenges in life, huh? we have to push ourselves. You have to push yourself because no one else is going to do it for you. If you can trim it, you can do it. We don't have to limit our challenges. We have to challenge our limits. And one thing is we have to master our mindset. If we master our mindset, then we'll master our body. Um, We have to be the girl or boy that decide to go for it. Because sometimes your body can stand almost anything but it's your mind. You have to convince. The art days are what makes us stronger. So don't stop until you're proud of yourself. If you fail, take that as a learning, but do not quit. Ellie Enoch, a short put and javelin para athlete from Vanuatu. What a remarkable woman and mother. Thank you to our guests, Eli, Jay, Mata'afa, and Ipo. They have given me so much food for thought for how we treat people living with disability in the Pacific. For decades, disability has been seen as a case of out of sight, out of mind. That needs to change in the Pacific and throughout the world, and I hope it's given you food for thought. Thank you so much for joining me. Hilda Wayne for Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia.
a weekly show by Pacific Islands Women for Pacific Islands Women, where we get together to talk about the issues that are important to us. If you've missed an episode of the show, catch up on our podcasts. In the Pacific, just search for Sisters Let's Talk wherever you get your podcasts. If you're in Australia, you can listen to Sisters Let's Talk on the ABC Listen app. If you've got a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or any feedback, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message anytime at the ABC Radio Australia Facebook page or email sisters at abc.net.au. That is S-I-S-T-A-S at abc.net.au. Next time on Sisters Let's Talk, we'll meet some women who gained knowledge and qualification overseas, but they're bringing them home to the Pacific. Being a female um, in a degree or in a profession that's, um, you know, not a lot of women are a part of, hopefully, you know, um, it, you know, inspires women that, you know, you can be able to achieve your dreams no matter what. That's next time on Sisters Let's Talk. Sisters Let's Talk is presented by me, Hilda Wayne. It's produced by Melissa Macon. Our supervising producer is Kim Lester. Executive producer is Inga Stunzner. Our commissioning editor is Ilaria Walker. Thanks also to Justin Kelly. Sisters Let's Talk is an ABC Radio Australia production. And Tasol Nabungimut next time.